0: Welcome to the North Hills Church Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into unique content created just for you. My name is Ryan Ferguson. I'm one of the pastors at North Hills, and we welcome you to our final podcast in a special series we've been doing following up on our latest sermon series called Serpents and Doves, which flows out of Jesus's words to his disciples, where he says, I'm going to send you out among wolves. And when I do that, I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And we've been dealing with the tension created by Jesus telling us, I want you to be both of those things at the same time. So over the past five weeks, we have addressed flowing out of a sermon on wisdom. We've then asked about serpents and doves dealing with COVID, dealing with politics and social media, and we've spent the past two weeks um, dealing with what's going on in our country in the realm of racial tensions. And we're going to pick up uh, today with our final podcast, um, discussing this past Sunday, where we spend a good amount of time discussing loving our neighbor. So let me introduce you to some people who are with me this this afternoon. Um, Alan Shear, how you doing, man? I'm feeling good. You good. look good, Alan. You and look, look good. good. Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: I like that tan shirt. I, you don't it say that nice. enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was enough. We, we've said it once now. Uh, we're good for a while now. Um I'm excited to have um, Alan on with us today. God has, I think, been doing a lot of work in His heart um, in this particular area. He's very uh, burdened for us to grow, both individually and corporately as a church. So I'm looking forward to his input. Um, and then Matt Nesberg is back with us again, second week in a row. So you didn't kill us last week, you know? Not that I know of. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, yeah. maybe a slow death. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement, Alan. Thank you, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) Always an encouraging word. Um, But Matt actually was the one who uh, preached this last week. So um, if you're listening to the podcast, you haven't been able to listen to that sermon yet, we would strongly encourage you to jump on our website, go to the sermon section, um, and check out this past week's sermon, and then come back and listen um, to us do a little bit more. So, Matt... And I know this is always hard. Everybody that has preached that I've asked, hey, just summarize what you did. Um, give us just a little taste of Sunday. Like, where did you go? Where did you land? What did you address? And then I've got ai want to go deeper into that after you kind of give us a general view.
2: Yeah. So trying to take Luke chapter 10, where Jesus talks about loving our neighbor as ourself. And um, just uh, thinking about that for a bit and, and in this area of racial prejudice and relationships with um, people of other races. So despite the fact that there's a lot of political controversy surrounding this issue, as there was in the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells in Luke 10, I'm trying to think about it from a relational perspective and then how we can uh, relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and loving them as ourselves. And so... Talked a little bit about the passage and told a good deal about my story and my past with regard to um, race, uh, racial prejudice, and how I thought about those things uh, growing up, and then what God's done in my heart. Tried to share some of that and then and then draw it out at the end. So the goal was to for us to think primarily relationally about our neighbor, so that we grow to love him as ourselves. Well, I know some of the feedback I received. Sunday, I was out
0: at the Northwest campus, hmm. but even since then in discussions was you sharing your story was impactful. So I think it's helpful. You know, it maybe somebody is going to keep listening to the podcast and hasn't listened to the sermon, but like, what is that part of your story that you shared with us? Can
2: you kind of put that into a nugget form? Yeah. So, uh, the, the illustration I used was that I was like a, a fish swimming in water that doesn't know it's wet. I swam in waters of racial prejudice and didn't know I was wet, didn't know that's the waters I was swimming in for the longest time. And so that we are through, through and through culturally shaped as people, and, um, and I was shaped by that culture um, and didn't know it and for the longest time until I began to see those things and ask questions and began to see that that's, that's what I was swimming in. That's what I knew. That's what seemed comfortable, familiar, and acceptable to me. And it wasn't until God used my African-American brothers uh, to begin to shine light on that till I began to see what that was um, and and to be able to call it what it was and, and hopefully to grow. And what was the context of that interaction, real quick, for everybody? Uh, you mean... In, um, up in Spartanburg. Yeah. So when we left North Hills in 2012, um, I became part of, uh, eventually in 2014, part of a group of pastors that was meeting to discuss issues of racial prejudice and relationships between black and white Christians and that started with about 7 guys and today it's the last time there were 58 guys there that's that awesome were, that we're taught, and we've wow. talked we just talk about everything that you're not allowed to talk that you're supposed to not talk about with when it comes to race relations yeah everything that feels
0: awkward to say yeah. out loud this was a space where you could do that yeah, safe space so let's go as uh as quickly as you can i i was impacted by you made five observations about luke 10 the first of which is that Uh, This story that Jesus tells, that even culture is familiar with, the Good Samaritan, is a matter of eternal life or death. That was your very first point. Um, And I just wondered if you could go into that. You didn't have a ton of time on Sunday to do that. So what does that mean? Like, why is that even
2: important? Why did you highlight that? Well, anytime you hear a story, um, even biblical stories, you want to know how much weight to give it, I guess. And, um, and so when you're listening to a story, it could be just be an example or a, hey, this is a good idea. But if it is something that rises to the level of eternal life or death, I mean, we should know. And in this story, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, that the question that the lawyer poses is, Teacher, what, do I do, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds what's written in the law, and he says, love your neighbor, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, etc., and love your neighbor as yourself, and Jesus' response is, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So both the question and the answer is parent is like bookended with this idea of eternal life or death if you don't, because he says, do this and you will live, live. which then, of course, we assume then not do this and you will die, and so, uh, when we begin to think about the then what Jesus does is launches into the story of the Good Samaritan, and when you begin to think about that story, um, again, you're now reading that story through a lens that says, this is not just a nice bedtime story, but this is has the level of importance of life or death Good, good, thank you
1: yeah, and I just I, if I can just of interject course. on that um, when you when you said that, that got my mind going because you know. It goes without saying i think at north hills that we believe in salvation through grace by faith alone like nothing could be more you know clear and yet there are a lot of passages in the bible that that take that kind of approach like you know like you know jesus says depart into darkness because you didn't visit me in prison you know so we're certainly not saying that you get to heaven by doing those good things but we it it seems like it, it's so intrinsic to who we are as a people who have been radically saved who are so unworthy and undeserving it's almost like it was inseparable in Jesus mm. mind and he almost creates this kind of tension mm like obviously over the years theologically we know how to put the pieces together but in in putting the pieces together Jesus does not remove that kind of tension like yes, this this true. is what it means yeah. to be a person who who is on his on his path to life yeah i yeah. think that
0: starkness Good. it is it, like you would use tension i think i think it becomes very stark very um in your face i think of of John and First John, if you see your brother is in need and you don't help, it, basically don't call yourself a believer. Mm-hmm. It's so you know in your face, and I think Alan, I love the way you phrase that. It, it's so intrinsic to who we are to claim the name of Jesus and not love neighbor. It, it doesn't follow; it it makes no sense. So we had some questions uh, come mm-hmm. in. Um, after this past a week that we're going to wrestle with. So I'm going to kind of read this one out, and we're just going to get uh, you guys to give us some feedback on it and see what happens. Um, so how do I show patriotism and love for my country or history without sacrificing a relationship with someone that might view those symbols differently or even view them as hurtful? So there's a lot of ideas floating around in there. Um, How do I show patriotism, love for country? Uh, Should we? How do I do that in such a way that I'm not losing relationship? You were very clear about that, Matt, in your sermon. How do I not lose a relationship with someone who might see that differently? What what do you guys think about
2: that? Well, I'll jump in. Um, I I see we are primarily citizens of heaven and... We are citizens of, in this case, the United States of America on earth. And for me, I don't mean to sound simplistic with my answer um, because it doesn't always play out simply, but at the same time, keeping that in mind that what's primary and what's secondary um, is so important and helpful to me. And so what that looks like is that means that political parties are secondary that means that a host of political issues are secondary. That means that uh, when we gather as believers, we are not primarily marked by America, but by our citizenship in heaven. Um, of course, we have cultural symbols and realities around us. You know, we, we have air conditioning where people in other countries don't, for whatever reason. Um, fine, what, all that's fine. Um, but what we are marked by is that we are citizens of heaven, so that when we worship with other Christians, either in this country or in another country, we're not trying to convert them to Americanism, as we convert them to Christianity. And that's been, you know, a failure of some missions in the past. Has been, oh, we don't, we not only need to convert them to Christianity, but to whatever Western culture or Eastern culture, and that's just not the gospel. The gospel, by its nature. Is above that, and and can be you can be existent in any culture. So that's kind of like trying to hold it that way that my citizenship is first in heaven. <clears throat> but I said in Sunday in my sermon, I'm I'm the patriot guy. I'm the not the Patriots. I can't stand the New England Patriots. I'm not talking about them. That's a different. Thing. That was an important addition. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to be. Let's be really clear. clear. Let's be clear about that. That the Falcons is the godliest of teams anyway
1: (laughs) let's keep moving let's move 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 it
2: along but I said Sunday I'm you know I'm the one singing the national anthem and cheering at the fireworks and wearing the American flag t-shirts and all that and that's all well and good but if my Christian brother doesn't see it the same way like we could I want to know why like why let's talk about that but it's not like why what's wrong with you yeah are you even a Christian because
1: if you're a Christian you're going to love America
2: no, no, not necessarily
1: yeah, and i I've actually I, I hadn't thought about it in those words or in this form, but I've thought about this a lot because as you mentioned in uh, at the in the beginning, um, I've been learning a lot over the last four or five months and um, I've learned a lot of things that i I never knew before' just like just like I didn't grow up in the South, I grew up in Southern California, but like you, I grew up pretty unaware of a lot of our history, and um, uh, I'll come back to that at a different time. But um, so I've thought a lot about this because I love America too. You know, I, I love those events, and I think for whoever asked this question, like we have every reason to love our nation. You know, I. I, I, like, we are blessed, and this nation has been used of God in amazing ways. And every time I get to go to another country, which I do a lot, like, that's because of the, the blessing and prosperity that we enjoy. Yeah. I, I I've thought, like, you know, we always want to go back to the Bible, and I have thought, you know, how did Jesus express his patriotism? And I, I, I've really, really thought about it, and I—, I I, I don't know I can think of uh, an, an example of him doing that. Um, how did Paul express his patriotism? You know, we have to believe, you know, Jesus was, he identified with his Jewish heritage. Um, he observed Jewish customs and traditions. He affirmed them. He was, one, he was not only 100% man, he was 100% Jewish. Right. you know and and it, there's every evidence he loved his people he loved his family he loved his culture but it you know w- when i think about jesus uh, jesus was more about this big table that was big enough for all people it was it was more of an inclusive mm-hmm. i don't think he ever condemned anybody because they love their their culture or their nation but you know these are the kind of things like you talk about what's what's of supreme importance and we all know in philippians um three, when Paul talked about these kinds of things, his heritage, his tradition, his culture, mm-hmm. his ancestry. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I was like, you know, if he was a flag waving Jewish person. Mm-hmm. He was all about it. Like his right. identity was Hebrew of Hebrews. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Yeah. American of the Americans. Yeah. You know, and and certainly he says, I count that but dung, that I may win. Christ, which didn't mean he was saying, I now hate my heritage. Right. You know, but he said it, he was making a very, very clear hierarchy that I think it's really hard for us to make. Yeah. And you could argue that Paul's, Paul's heritage
2: rejected Christ. Like mm-hmm. it was in large part the, the the Jewish people, leaders who condemned Jesus and cried out for his crucifixion. So Paul could have said, you know, it's throw it all away, but, but he, this, is, this is part of my identity, but what's the superior identity? And that is Christ being
1: found in him. And, and I really think that issue of identity is just absolutely critical because it's so easy as an American, and, and it's in one sense, like Paul did identify as a Jew, Jewish person. He didn't say, I no longer do that. But on the other hand, he's saying he wanted to be absolutely crystal clear. My identity is grounded in Jesus Christ. That's so, good. so real so, fast, I think we could. You we think could, we
2: should kick it back over to Ryan? We, no, I mean you I and I, I could talk, talk let's the whole go. time. Let's just keep. <laughs> Ryan, did you want to say anything? <laughs> I was just going to add
0: that I was actually going to summarize what you guys said. We we we've got you know how to answer this question in particular is beware of primary and secondary. Mm-hmm. Issues identities to borrow Alan's word, and and therefore in these moments, are are you really clear of what identity you're stepping into right now? Um, I would add two thoughts. Mm. I, I I think, I mean, I'm 47. I grew up during every 80s movie that villainized Russia for everything. Amen. You Red know, Dawn. You, Red Dawn. Wolverine. Yeah, that's right. Wolverines. And. <laughs> And there is very much if you were born in that era of culture and watched all of that, you swam in waters of superiority, mm-hmm. and it seeped in. We're better because mm-hmm. we're American, and and I think that is how do I show patriotism? Well, I'm I'm very careful of superiority. I, I'm not America's culture is not inherently better. It's just it it has differences and. Um, and then the other thing I would add to that is how how do we do this? You have to do this with thankfulness. Hmm. Like it, it, the context, whatever context you're in, the scriptures are really clear about thankfulness. All, I mean, Paul talks about it all over the place. In, in whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. Hmm. There's a thankfulness to, I am very thankful for where I live hmm. and the opportunities God has given me. But But if you're... In any other nation in Europe, you too, as a follower of Jesus, are a thankful person for the gifts that you've been given, the place, the culture, the people, the food, all of those things. So I I think you can be. make sure you're a thankful person. Mm,
2: That's great.
0: Um, uh, Matt, you Mm. used the term in your message, inner lawyer, this idea that... um, anytime an issue comes up, whether that's in a relationship like marriage or an interaction about something tense like America, government, politics, policies, racial tensions, that we have this inner lawyer that rises up ready to defend ourselves. Um, I met with somebody on Monday night who that really served well. Um, They said, I'm great at that. I am great at the inner lawyer. So we had a question come in, how do we check our own inner lawyer at the door? Like, if that's true that and I think it is true for most of us if we're honest, we're quickly ready to yeah. defend ourselves. How do we how do we get a hold of our lawyer? What do you guys think?
2: It's a hard one. Why don't you take this one, Alan? What do you do when <laughs> I come and confront you? <laughs> <clears throat> he screams at me. So what do you do with Matt, Alan?
1: Okay, I'm just gonna let that sit. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's a hard one, yeah. for real. So so yeah, it, I've, I've fought this big time. And sometimes it's the defense lawyer, like, what are you saying about me? You know, where do you get off? And then, I'm like, I'm really good at being a prosecuting attorney, too. So I have two lawyers. And uh, I, I've just found that whenever I'm operating out of the broken parts of myself, whenever I, I'm needing affirmation, um, whatever, needing to be heard, needing to be right, you know, it, the fruit is never going to be good, no matter how right I am. And so, so remembering that, like I literally for the last several months have got, I've had to get up all, virtually every single day, and um, just give all of these feelings and emotions to Jesus. So I, there's a song um, that it's, it's it's called "Lay It All Down at the Feet of Jesus." So I feel those things. I feel my, my anger. I feel my frustration. And it's like, okay, what is the fruit of that? And sometimes it takes, takes a lot. And I just have to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. And, and then I have to say, Jesus, what are you calling me to take up? What am I taking up because you told me to take it up? So that's, it, it, it takes a lot of work, but it's so worth it. So the, the, the kind of practical there is, is
0: take some time to reflect how, what, what good has that done me in the past? Mm-hmm. This inner lawyer, what good has he actually done me? And if you look back and you actually see that a lot of that fruit is rotten. Okay. But that
2: informs me now. So Matt, Matt what, do you, what do you think? That was great. Alan, um, The only thing that I that came to mind for me is that for me, the first time I heard that concept of inner lawyer, I think we all have it. That's my opinion; can't prove it. I think we all have it though. Um, The first time I heard it, I went, "Oh, that's what that is." And just just for me, that that concept and being able to admit that I do have that gives me some sort of language and thought process. For me to go, is that legitimate objection, or is that just my lawyer trying to defend me? Like, am I really upset about sin or wrongdoing, or is it just my lawyer trying to self-exonerate me? Which is what this lawyer was trying to do. He was trying to exonerate himself, justify himself. Luke says, um, and just no, again, just knowing that he's there helps me. And I think for, for people that can be a piece of the puzzle. Like if, if that's new language for us, and if that's the first time you've recognized your lawyer, that can be so helpful just to know he's there so that when you're having a, why am I, I've had this feeling, why am I having this in uh, this disproportionate response? Oh, I wonder if that's my lawyer. And you know, that, that's kind of self um, introspection can be, so, so I'll, I'll take off of that. I, I use this phrase um, with a friend that I, I hung out
0: with on Monday who shared that this was helpful. Um, and we were talking about how do you work through this? And, and I used to kind of beat the metaphor into the ground. I said, you have to hire a, a private investigator. <laughs> so you turn your inner lawyer into an internal private investigator, mm. which is what you did. Mm. You You turned the lawyer and you started asking him questions. Why are you... You know, so let's put this in the middle of real racial tension. You know, some comments that you made on Sunday could have caused people to really ask questions. Listen Mm -hmm. to the sermon. We talked about statues and monuments and Black Lives Matter. The uh, Confederate flag. Kneeling, kneeling to the national anthem. Those types of things come up. I'm sure there were immediate... Reactions and people like, what is he doing? Why does he think that? What's going on here is to turn on your internal lawyer and go, why am I doing this? Why do I have this little internal dialogue going on right now that what's at the heart of that? So I I think, how do I check my inner lawyer at the door? You may not be able to, but you certainly can turn the tables on him and ask him questions.
1: I I think what I've learned, because yeah, it's so hard for me, is when I feel th- these this kind of rage, outrage, like it's it's and, and it's it's often disproportionate to what we're talking about. I have to ask myself, I, what is that? Where is that coming from? And you know, James said, um, you know, the 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 anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Hmm. And I think there is a justice thing in every one of us that is very complex, but when that lawyer kicks in it's because we feel like this is not just hmm. whether it is or isn't that 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 outrage that wrath that's being out of control is not going to bring about the justice that we feel is not happening that's right. so that's really helpful for me to remember good good thanks guys so
0: so this last one i, I I think might be a difficult question. And, and it's set up by the fact that it, as you shared your story, Matt, you you shared very personally what God's done in you uh, about, um, we could use the word awareness. Like you became aware of the water you swam in, so to speak, to use your your illustration. You became aware of of Uh, racial prejudice in your own self, and then you were able to name it and describe how you would change. So if somebody listened to that and you were very clear that you weren't telling them because this happened to me, you do these same things. But at the same time, there was a very clear call as a pastor, as an elder of this church saying, hey, at least explore this. Um, So if someone sends in a question like, how do we become more aware how do we do what you did? Not the exact form, but the goal of I, I want to be aware of the water I swim in, and and if there are things in there that are wrong, I want those to change too. Like how how do we do that? Is there a way we can give some people maybe some practical step or an idea
1: or? I, I think when when we did the race series two years ago, and Peter laid out this um, rubric of listen, lament, love. I just think I find that super helpful, but for me, um, I, uh, I, I've had to go way further with that. So I used to listen, but only to people I agreed with. I listened a lot. And uh, I, I think really, really listening, not to change the subject, not to correct, not to find the, the whatever, the fallacy, but to really listen. And I'd and I just say very quickly, in the aftermath of George Floyd, I started hearing these groups of African-American people, Christian people, talking about how it affected them. And, and I think it was four different groups that I heard in 48 hours of different African-American people. In every single instance, they said, when I saw the breath going out of George Floyd, I felt the breath going out of my body. In one way or another not those exact words and that was so different because I grew up as a very individualistic American and that whole perspective was different and I I started to ask myself why why you know why is that and I I won't get into that whole story but that one thing really listening um, was life-changing for me particularly people
0: with whom you disagree yeah. Right. Good. I think that that's or a very... Or at least
1: c- partly disagree. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I think the same, f- forming relationships as much as possible with people you trust. Um, my friend, uh, Walter Belton, who pastors Word to Change Ministries in Spartanburg, um, over the years, the last few years, being able to talk to him and, you know, because it's waters I swim in, I, I would, I, I and he still does it, we'll, we'll be having conversations and he'll say, No listen to what you just said, why do you think that way? And I'm like, what do you mean, why do I think that way? That's the right way, or the way, of course. But what if, and he'll just kind of peel away at it, like, what if, and I'm like, what? I never, like, but that's the way, like, his cultural waters have not been mine, and it just makes me go, oh, and what seems sometimes so like a, such a clear perspective on whatever it, that, that of course that's the perspective that's the perspective not just my perspective that when somebody from a different cultural perspective just asks a question that that reveals the underlying assumption waters if you will that i didn't know like i and, and so that has been the most helpful thing is to build and it's taken years to build a relationship of mutual trust because i can do the same thing to him we've had plenty of conversations where that's going back and forth but what about this but what about this oh it's just so helpful to be able to have that kind of um that kind of relationship but i think it takes intentionality because we naturally hang out with fish that are in our waters. I realize I'm pushing this analogy just like constant, yeah. but that we naturally are swimming with fish that are in our waters. And so, in order to, to do that, it takes some intentionality. One of our elders recently said, When I go to lunch from, and invite somebody to go work with me, I, I kind of gravitate towards the white Presbyterian because that's the, you know, we agree uh, on some cultural and theological things. He goes, but what if what if I I never invited? Well, what if I invited an African American instead? You know, I just naturally have done it, not because I'm trying to be racist, but just again waters. Um. So what if I stepped out instead, invited somebody else, and maybe got a different
1: perspective? And I thought,
2: man, that is that's great, like that's perfect.
1: I, I think so much comes down to: Do we want to be challenged? Hmm. Do we want to be challenged? And and humanly speaking, nobody wants to be challenged, but. I just even I had one moment where, like I, I I realized something I never realized before. Like we I say, um, that's a really good school, and and that's a really good neighborhood. That's a really good neighborhood, and and somebody pointed out to me, why do you say that? What's in your mind when you say that? And I never really thought about. It, but a big thing is in my mind a lot of times is there are no minorities in that school. So that makes it a really good school. Hmm. Or maybe it's even just that a, a lot of more affluent kids go to that school. Yeah. But there are, there are those assumptions, and, and we may think, well, what difference does that make? Well, uh, those assumptions, when they're expressed to people who are in those groups, can be tremendously hurtful. Hmm. So if there's one thing, I would just say, would, you know, please listen to people with whom you disagree, not because you have to agree with them, but because you will think in a way you've never thought before. I I think as I I hear you guys, I'm going to come back to two words,
0: uh, uh, admit and challenge. Like I think, Matt, your story, and even as you describe this, there there has to be a point where you admit that you could become aware of racial prejudice. Mm. Like that might be, how do you become aware? I think step number one is, if I actually want to do that question, I might have to admit up front. I might become aware that I have racial prejudice. And I think, if I'm honest, I think that could be very difficult for people mm. to say as the first step. I might become aware
2: that I have racial prejudice. And Alan, I think... Yeah, if you start with, I'm not racist, I'm not prejudiced, then your your lawyer has already said the, the end is secured. Innocence. Uh, self-exoneration. Then everything that leads to that is going to be tainted towards that. But if you begin with... I, God might show me something, it, it really opens doors. And if he did, country. and if God does, that is to his glory
1: yeah. and my good yeah. and Absolutely. the good of the church right. and the community yes. th- that the, the I'm around. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We don't have to be afraid. You know, I have a lawyer that has not only stood up for me but taken my punishment. Yeah. Oh. So I don't have to be afraid of these that things. That good.
2: We have an advocate. That's, That's right. right. was good. Yeah. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen.
0: So the I just want to reiterate, Alan, your your question there, uh, where you you almost slammed the table. Do we want to be challenged? So if you're the one who is asking this question, how to become more aware of our own racial prejudice, I think you have to answer the
1: question, do you want to be challenged? Mm -hmm. Do you want admit that there might be a need for growth? Right. And we and, and in everything in my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children. My relationship with you guys. Like, I I have so many blind spots, and I don't want to live with blind spots. I'm not jumping on some bandwagon. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I just want to see truth Mm. and, and invite the Holy Spirit to show me however painful it is, because again, it's so beautiful when the blood just cleanses us and makes us new. Amen.
0: Guys, thank you so much for being here and kind of wading into these issues. For those of you who are listening, we we are doing our best um, to grow as elders of this church, Um, trying to take these very same steps. And I think God's working in us. We're hoping that that will um, be a catalyst for change among us as North Hills Church. So as we've done a couple of times here, we invite you to pray into this with us. Um, We need your input. So I just want to give a plug. We do have a, a small group of elders who have committed to meet about these particular issues involving racial tension. And if you have feedback about that, you have ideas or concerns, we want them. We need them. <laughs> uh, we have blind spots, but you might be able to step in there and give us some clarity. So feel free. Um, you can contact us uh, through the church office,
2: through the website. Um, you and can let- email either Alan or I with yep. questions or ideas with that. Yep. If you have complaints about my sermon, my email address is F at northhillschurch.com. Thank you for that great ending,
0: Matt. And with
2: that, uh, we are so thankful that you guys have joined
0: us for this podcast on the Serpents and Doves series. Um, If you haven't heard the other podcasts, you can jump onto our website or our YouTube channel and follow along. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on our next podcast.